don't be sort of set on what you want to do and enjoy the ride a little bit more. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Where Accountants Go, the Accounting Careers Podcast. I'm Mark Goldman, a CPA and your host for this very show. Well, today we have another unique guest joining us for the program. We interviewed David Peters in the Richmond, Virginia area. David does a variety of things, and he's a great guest for our show specifically for that reason. There are so many directions you can take your accounting career in, and we've highlighted many of them on the program, but David is one of those professionals that's taking several directions all at once. David has worked in many different roles, but currently he spends much of his time teaching, actually, both at the university level and as a CPE instructor, a continuing education instructor. He also has a tax practice, though. He handles financial advising needs for his clients, and he even has his own podcast now. It's called Accountable. That's Accountable, one word. It's a show for CFOs on CFO-related issues. It's a very interesting niche. All in all, though, I think David's story will benefit you in many ways. If you're someone that has searched around for the right thing for a while, you'll definitely hear that in David's story. And if you're wondering about how broad the opportunities can be in accounting, you'll also definitely learn more about that in this episode as well. I really enjoyed this conversation. And if you enjoy this conversation or learn something from this episode, please check us out online. You can find us at www.mgrar.com and pay particular attention to our classes section. When this podcast comes out, we're going to be having an Excel series that will be launching soon afterwards. We have a forensic investigations course that's coming out. And in a couple months, we'll have our tax series start again. So please check that out as well. They're all geared towards professionals that are very early on in their career. And as always, if there's anything that I can do for you in your own career or for accounting organizations you're involved in, please reach out to me as well. I'm always happy to help in any way that I can. Well, with that, let's go ahead and get started with today's guest. Here's David Peters. Well, hello, David. Welcome to the show. Hi, Mark. Thanks for having me. I appreciate the opportunity to be on your show. I think this is going to be great. Wonderful. Me too. Me too. Well, for the audience, we have David Peters joining us from the Richmond, Virginia area today. David has his own podcast named Accountable. He has a rather interesting educational background in addition to his accounting education, of course. And now he works in the financial advising field, plus he does some teaching. So he's quite the busy guy, obviously, and I suspect quite the entrepreneur as well. I couldn't pass up on the opportunity to have him on the show with all that background because I knew it would be valuable discussion on many fronts for us. I'm really looking forward to this. Well, David, I really do want to get into everything that you've got going on now, but before we get to the present time, let's make sure we cover your overall journey. What led you to decide that accounting might be a good career choice in the first place? I can tell you that when I first started in college, accounting was not really on my radar screen. I was not somebody who decided that I was going to pursue accounting and I was going to get a job in public accounting and that was going to be my career and that I was sort of dead set on doing that. 
I've heard that there's people like that out there, but like you and I were discussing a little bit before we started recording, I haven't met too many accountants that are that truly have just that much direction <laughs> in their <laughs> lives uh, early on. I started off actually theology pre-seminary. That was actually my major when I first started at uh, Valparaiso University. I was someone who grew up in the Presbyterian Church, and I wanted to pursue some knowledge about God, about me, about people, and uh, I was intrigued by theology. And so I actually started off theology pre-seminary, and accounting really wasn't on my radar screen, really. I mean, it was just not something that I was looking to pursue, although I think looking back on it, a lot of the tools and the traits that sort of make accountants that sort of form the accountant's mindset, I think were evident early on. I was always a pretty organized person when I was in school and everything. I was strong in math, and that was just me. And one of my favorite things uh, when I was a kid was I used to collect baseball cards, baseball cards and basketball cards. And I was the kid who was always organizing and just making sure that my collections were always in numerical order and were always ordered by year. So, Mark, that's the kind of guy I was. (laughs) So I think the tools were there. But when I was in college, I mean, it really just wasn't on my radar to pursue accounting. It was not something that I was looking to. And it was really around my junior year that things started to change. I was in a program at at Valparaiso that required me to test every year that I was going to pursue seminary after I graduated. That was uh, part of the process of being involved in the program and something that I had to do in order to keep my scholarship. And I started thinking about it more and more, and I was like, I can't sort of in good conscience sign this form every year saying that, you know, for sure, for sure that I'm going to go to seminary. I didn't know that that was sort of my path in life. I wasn't sure that that was kind of best for me. And I remember I had a conversation with my advisor, with my academic advisor at uh, Alfrezo, and uh, he said to me, he said, well, he said, if you can't sign this form, he goes, we don't have a choice. We have to take away your scholarship and we have to take you out of the program. You can still study theology, but he goes, you can't be sort of this uh, pre-seminary, you can't be on this sort of a pre-seminary track and you'll, you'll lose your scholarship as part of that if we take you out. And I remember I called my dad because whenever I needed uh, help in life, my dad was always the person that I turned to and I told him what was happening. And my dad is a very matter of fact person and tends to not say much of anything about anything uh, until he has something to say. And I remember I got the whole story out and he just said, well, he goes, son, what do you want to do? And I said, I don't want to sign that. I said, because I don't think it's true. And he said, said, well, if you don't think that you should sign something saying that you're going to seminary because you're not sure about it, he goes, you shouldn't sign it. And I said, yeah, you're right. And I said, well, I said, what am I going to do for an additional major? Should I just stick with theology or should I take something else on? And he was the one who suggested accounting. I think he sort of looked at it as being a very reliable career, something that was very steady. And he said, you know, he goes, I think you'd be good at it. He goes, you're good with numbers. And he goes, you're, you're organized. He goes, you might really like it. And that's when I sort of switched. I maintained a theology major, but I got an accounting major too. And that's where I really started looking seriously at accounting as a career. Interesting. Okay. Okay. (laughs) 
I'm sorry. I'm still, I'm still thinking about you and the baseball cards ordered by year. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I was that guy. Mark, and some of my friends, you know, I mean, they would just have like shoe boxes, you know, and it would just be chaos everywhere. And that used to drive me crazy. Yeah. <laughs> Yours were like in a library, all ordered. Right. I love it. I love it. If you don't mind, I want to delve into your education even a little deeper because before the show, I looked you up on LinkedIn, of course, and you have as many degrees listed as most people have jobs. I mean, it just, it, <laughs> it goes on and on. You're a very educated individual. So at some point, you decided to continue with the theology training, though, because you have a yeah. master's in it as well. And at the same time, or around the same time, it looks like you were also getting your master's in accounting and and MBAs. Could you take us a little further in that? And if it crosses over with your job history, I mean, let's walk through that as well. I'm not sure, but let's go forward with the education as well, because I find that very interesting. Yeah. So after I got done with my degree at Valparaiso, I got a bachelor's degree, and you're correct. I had uh, two majors. I had one in theology, and I had another one in accounting. And when I graduated, the CPA exam was changing. And so they started moving from the 120 hours to the 150. And so all of a sudden, there was a lot of one-year accounting master's degrees. Mm -hmm. And I was working well during my junior and senior year um, at Valparaiso. I was working for a small accounting firm in the Chicago area. And it was a tax firm and it was a friend of a friend decided to uh, to give me a chance. And I just learned a lot. I learned a lot just working part-time, just as an intern. And the firm that I was working for, they were small, but they were growing and they just took on everything. I mean, it wasn't just sort of like one type of client. I mean, they did individuals, small businesses, trusts and estates, and they did some a little bit larger businesses and they did a lot of consulting work and stuff like that. And so they did payroll too. And so it was just great for someone like me who was just getting started and really wasn't 100% sure what type of accounting he should go into, just be exposed to all of those things. And so I really, really loved tax. I found it the challenge of tax to be incredibly interesting and just the process of the kind of the logic of it and the changes that come about with law changes and things like that. There was a challenge to sort of stay on top of it. And I think that that was really kind of a driving force there. And so I was like, well, I'm like, I got done with my four-year degree at Valparaiso. And I said, well, I said, I would like to pursue tax. And so I needed an additional year to get to my 150. And so I decided to pursue a master's degree in taxation at the University of Illinois. And I did that and I said, well, I said, I'm going to take the CPA exam. And I did the summer after I graduated from the University of Illinois, I did nothing but study for an entire summer. <laughs> and I was able to pass the CPA exam on the first try and I was able to do that. But the theology degree was kind of interesting because, again, when I went into college, I mean, I was pursuing a degree in theology. I had always been curious about my own faith and just kind of how other people sort of interacted with their faith as well. And I didn't want to give that up. You can laugh at me now if you want, Mark, but like my thought process at the time was is that even though I had passed the CPA exam, if I got started working, that I would never go back to school. That was my thought process at the time. And I said, you know, 
I said, I would like to go to seminary just to learn and to just for the experience of going. And I didn't know if there was necessarily a career path at the end of it. I just said, I'm going to go out and I'm going to give this a shot because if I get started in counting, I'm not going to want to go back to school. And <laughs> looking back on that, that was clearly not what happened. <laughs> but at the time, that was my thought process. And so I'm really glad I did it. I went to seminary at Pittsburgh Theological Seminary in Pennsylvania. Pittsburgh is a wonderful city. It's one of my favorites. And I had a chance to work at a small Presbyterian church for a little while. And I was also able, I was a hospital chaplain for a little while as well. And so if you ever want to learn about people and just how faith sort of interacts in day-to-day life, I mean, being a hospital chaplain, I, I don't know if there's any more powerful experience than that. And so I've always been really glad that I did it. But that's how that kind of came about. I decided that I wanted to just uh, explore my own faith and just other people's faith a little bit more. And so seminary seemed like kind of the next logical thing to do. Interesting. Okay. Okay. By the way, I understand your rationale for once you sort of get the rest of your life started, it's hard to go back to school. And that's exactly why I tell people don't put off preparing for the CPA exam. I mean, just go straight from school into that because otherwise you may never come back. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Yeah. Makes a lot. Very, 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 very solid advice there. And for some of my students, if some of my students are listening to this, yeah, they, if you're in study mode right now, take the CPA exam, (laughs) do it now. Because once you get going, it's harder. It is. Well, take us through your first few full-time accounting jobs. How did you get your career started in accounting? Yeah, so I graduated seminary and I decided that sort of being a full-time hospital chaplain was probably not the best for me, not because I didn't enjoy it. I did enjoy the work. I enjoyed uh, the challenge of the work, but to me, it was just very draining work. It was hard. You would go from one very difficult conversation to another difficult conversation to another difficult conversation. And I just found myself at the end of the day just being absolutely exhausted. I felt like I could do kind of day in, day out. So I have a lot of respect for folks who do that type of work because it's tough work. And I got done with a seminary and I was just trying to figure out what to do next. And I decided that I was going to work in the accounting field. Uh, that's what I was trained for. And I enjoyed accounting. And so I was like, well, I'm like, maybe that's something that I need to do. But I wanted to work for a firm that gave me the wide array of opportunities that I got in my internship. And so I found a job at uh, Chesapeake Capital in uh, Richmond, Virginia. Chesapeake uh, is a hedge fund. And so it was a very unique challenge. And they were involved in a little bit of everything. And it wasn't uh, sort of a just the hedge fund uh, industry and kind of just the trading. I mean, there was some other stuff that they did in addition to it. So they were involved in some uh, real estate activities and things like that as well. And so there was enough variety there that I felt like it would really be interesting. So I took a job there and I learned a lot. I worked with a great team there and I got a chance to be exposed to something new. And for me, that's always been something that I've enjoyed is is that I I want new challenges. I don't like uh, sort of being in the mundane day-to-day, we do the same thing day in, day out. I've always kind of thrived on challenge and uh, thrived on uh, kind of a differentiation from one day to the next. And so that 
certainly provided me with that. And I worked there for a couple of years and was feeling pretty good. But I felt after a few years that my career had kind of stalled a little bit. I was enjoying my job. It was a smaller business. There just wasn't a whole lot of room to sort of move up. And so because of that, I decided that I was going to pursue an MBA. And so I had, I had worked for a few years and I decided that I wanted to just get some more education because I wanted to be excited about the next step of my career. And I, I was just feeling a little bit stuck in a rut. Some of the folks out there maybe can identify with that, but you know, there wasn't necessarily anything wrong. I just wasn't feeling, <laughs> I just wasn't feeling great about just the future for whatever reason. It was just ordinary to me that looked plain. And so I decided to, to pursue an MBA with a specialization in investments because at the time I was working in the hedge fund industry and I got about a year into my program and then the financial crisis happened. <laughs> and oh. so, so all of a sudden I was working for hedge funds, which is high risk, high reward type of an industry. And we went through some struggles as a company and I got laid off. And so I was pursuing an MBA and all of a sudden I found myself without a job. And so it was a difficult time. It was a very difficult time, a very challenging time, but I think probably good for me in a lot of ways because it helped me, I think, gain some perspective on how to deal with real challenges. Before that happened, I don't know that I had really had a truly difficult challenge, a truly that I had really had anything truly bad happen to me in my entire life. And I think that really showed me this is what real challenge in life looks like. And it forced me to get myself out there and to try to find another job. And it was a hard time. It was a hard time for everybody who was in the job market at that particular point in time. But in a lot of ways, I'm very glad that it happened to me. It's taught me how to overcome challenges. But I mean, the other thing is too, is that it also allowed me to find a just a tremendous company. That's when I found Elephant Auto Insurance. So my insurance career started because I was laid off uh, from my job. Elephant Auto Insurance is a six-state auto insurance carrier in Richmond, Virginia. And they were starting up. And so it wasn't because I necessarily was looking for a job in insurance or anything like that, but I just, I needed a job. <laughs> and they were looking for accountants. A friend of mine said, she's like, I think that you'd be good here. So why don't you come down and talk to us? I did. And it was great. My career really took off once I got to Elephant because I had uh, fantastic folks in charge that were just wonderful to me and were very good at providing positive motivation, giving me challenges, but also allowing me to fail, which I think is good for folks. It's good to fail in a safe environment. And I think that they did a really nice job of helping me do that. That's really where my career took off, I think. Okay. Wonderful. Thank you. Yeah, I was really curious about a couple of those positions. Also, I saw something about compare.com, and I know you had some entrepreneurial ventures. <laughs> so I'm not yeah. sure where that comes in. So I guess take yeah. it forward. For, was compare.com part of that, or was that a position along the way? How did that work into the story? Yeah, so Elephant Auto Insurance, the parent company for Elephant Auto Insurance is uh, Admiral Group, uh, which is a large auto insurer in the United Kingdom. So Admiral Group uh, was owned uh, Elephant, 
And so compare.com is a price comparison website for auto insurance rates. They're in the Richmond, Virginia area. And the president of Elephant Auto Insurance, who was one of the folks that hired me when I was there, moved over to start Compare. So Compare was another venture from from Admiral Group, and uh, he moved over to be the president of Compare.com. And so when he started, they were looking for someone to help with in a lot of different areas. Those of you out there who have been in startups, that when you're in a startup, uh, you wear a lot of hats. It's just that's part of the game. And you can't sort of step into a startup and sort of expect to do one job. That's never the case. At least none of the startups I've ever ventured into, and none of the, uh, none of the startups that I've ever heard of. And I think that they needed somebody who could fill a lot of different positions, at least in the short term, that would allow the company to grow. And then at that point, uh, we would probably specialize a little bit, but they needed somebody to fill a lot of different places. And so they hired me. I was the head of legal, admin, finance, and MIS. That was actually my title. I stepped in and I hit the ground running. I mean, uh, I jumped in and one of my favorite stories from that time is I remember one of my first days I walked in and just to show you kind of how new the company was, I remember I talked to the person who was the head of IT at the time, who's a good friend of mine. And I said, okay. I said, Jamie, I, th- I said, I think I need a computer. And he goes, okay. He goes, no problem. He goes, I'll get it set up for you. He goes, what programs do you want on it? And I said, but yeah, I said, give me all the uh, office products and everything. And then I said, just put on there whatever accounting program that we're using. And he looked at me for a second and he said, what do you mean? And I said, well, I said, just put on whatever accounting program you guys are using right now. And he goes, you're the head of finance. He goes, you have to buy that. <laughs> so, so I said, oh, yeah, okay. <laughs> I mean, it was just because it was a brand new company. He just told me, he goes, yeah, he goes, you're in charge of this stuff. He goes, so you have to help us get, get these things in place. And so it was a lot of fun. It was a great experience. We were a growing company and it was exciting. And there was just, there's kind of a, a rush that sort of goes along with working for startups. And seeing something that you're putting your time and effort and energy into to seeing that grow. And so that's how I ended up at Compare. And Compare did grow. Uh, so it was fun to, uh, to, for it to go from just sort of the one-person finance team into having a team of people and helping them to grow into their role. And the problems never necessarily go away, but they become different. And so there's, I think, kind of good problems and bad problems. And we had a lot of good problems, like things like, how are we going to accommodate the growth? <laughs> so those types of problems, I think, are always good. And that's what we were experiencing a lot of when I was at Compare. Wow. And that was relatively early in your career, too, that you were getting that opportunity. Yeah. That is exciting. Yeah. That is exciting. Wow. Yeah. I was a CFO in my early 30s. It was a lot of responsibility at the time, but I was definitely up for that challenge. So at what point did you go from being a full-time employee in accounting to having this mix of different things that you do? Because I know at some point, I don't know if you still do this, but I know at some point you were doing tax on your own, that kind of type of consulting. You've done a lot of teaching. You're a financial advisor now. So at what point did that transition start to happen? I think kind of when I had worked at Compare for about three or four years, it started to become a little bit my role, 
I should say, had started to become a little bit stagnant. It just felt like that we were starting to specialize a little bit more because we needed to. Uh, The company was growing. The company did need to specialize. But I had always thrived on the challenge of doing a little bit of everything. I enjoy doing a variety of things. I always have. And it just felt like I was starting to do the same things over and over and over again. And I was doing a little bit more compliance work than I was necessarily wanting to do. I was doing a little bit more because in the insurance industry, uh, there's a lot of compliance work to be done, but highly regulated industry. But I was doing a little bit too much of that for my taste. And I was also doing a little bit too much contract work and those types of things. And it, it was getting kind of the position was morphing into something that was just a little bit too one dimensional for me. And so I decided that at that point that I needed to make a change. And so at the time, I was pursuing a Ph.D., in financial planning at the American College. And through that program, I had met a lot of other financial advisors. And I decided that I wanted to do financial advising. I had always done tax for folks on the side. I had always prepared tax returns and offered tax advice. And I decided that I wanted to kind of expand that skill set because I would get questions from my tax clients that were around insurance or they were around investing and things like that. Because I think a lot of times, I think a lot of clients, they look at their CPA as being the person that you go to for financial everything. (laughs) Even though if I have a question and it's about money, I'm going to ask my accountant. And in a way, that's a compliment. But I also think that that's also a big challenge for CPAs because they either need to gain that knowledge or they need to have somebody who they respect and who they can work with where they can refer clients confidently over to them so that the client can get whatever thing that they need. And So I decided that I really enjoyed financial advising, and I had a friend of mine that was in uh, the PhD program at the American College, Chris Carroll. He's like, I don't know what my firm can, uh, you know, what kind of a role you might have at my firm, but he goes, why don't you travel to Charlotte and let's give it a shot and let's see what we can do. And so he gave me a chance, and I've always been thankful for that because when I was at his firm, he didn't sort of lock me into kind of one thing. He allowed me to explore some other things, and I was able to do a little bit of everything, which has always been happy. So today on the client side, I do tax preparation and consulting. I am still an outside representative for Carroll Financial, and Carroll Financial's in Charlotte. I, As you said, I live in Richmond, but uh, when I have investments to manage, uh, Carroll Financial helps uh, me with uh, some of the administrative and support functions for doing that. And then I also broker insurance policies, so uh, health insurance, uh, small business insurance, life insurance, just kind of whatever the client needs. So I do a little bit of everything on the client side to this day. So that's kind of how I got started in financial advising. It really just sort of grew out of, again, just kind of this desire to do a little bit of everything. And so that's really how it started. The teaching thing was something that almost kind of happened by accident. (laughs) So I had always enjoyed uh, helping. One of my favorite parts of my job at Compare was helping folks who were just getting started in accounting. And I think it was a friend of mine who worked in HR who said that, She's like, you know, she goes, you're really good at 
helping people understand things. And she goes, you seem really passionate about it. And I think just kind of from that, I decided that I would like to try and teach. And so I started teaching some insurance classes, uh, some of the CPCU preparation courses. So uh, folks that are taking the CPCU exam, I started teaching some of those courses. I figured uh, that was a nice combination at the time because I was working for Compare at the time. And so it was a good way to kind of connect with other folks in the insurance community in Richmond. And then I also decided to teach accounting at Strayer University in Midlothian, Virginia. And so I did that for a little while. And then I started doing some things for the CPA Society in Virginia. I started teaching ethics um, and uh, I wanted a challenge. And I think a lot of CPAs, when they have to take their ethics course every year, I think on some level, they kind of dread it. <laughs> so <laughs> I wanted, I said, you know, I said, I want a challenging class and I want to try to do something where to try to make a course that is enjoyable and interesting and where folks learn something where I think a lot of CPAs come into the ethics course uh, feeling kind of negatively. So that's how that started. And then it just kind of snowballed. I mean, it started to grow. I started to do more with the Virginia Society of CPAs. And then I started doing some stuff for the AI CPA. But then I started doing some stuff for Surgeons and for Kaplan and started doing stuff in North Carolina and South Carolina. So it just kind of just kind of snowballed. So and these days I do a ton of teaching. I create some of my own PPE content that we offer through other providers. So we've started doing more of that. And so uh, Peter's Professional Education is the entity that we work through uh, for all of the education stuff that I create. And I do some stuff uh, with in-house uh, CPE for other accounting firms. And then I still do things for the AICPA, Kaplan, and, and Surgeons. I teach and speak all over the country. I'm also the business and industry consultant for the South Carolina Association of CPAs. And I still work a lot with the Virginia Society of CPAs. So the teaching thing just sort of came about by accident over time. Wow. And you still maintain some tax clients and do financial advice. Absolutely. <laughs> yep. Yep. You're a busy guy. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's good when you're teaching and everything, it's good to keep going with the clients. I mean, you're teaching other practitioners. <laughs> so if you're not working with clients and everything, I think you're limiting yourself on kind of the practical scenarios and the practical issues that come up with clients all the time. And so not to mention that I just enjoy working with clients. I enjoy meeting with clients, working with clients. And a lot of the clients I know, I would consider them to be friends of mine too. <laughs> so your client meetings are catching up on stuff with friends. So that, I think, makes it a lot more fun too. And then in your free time, you decided to start a podcast also. Yeah. <laughs> Who would ever so do something like that, Mark? Yeah. People that have a lot of time and don't need to make any money, apparently, because there's, there's not right. much in it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I decided to start a podcast. So like you said in the, in the opening there, the end of the podcast is accountable. The tagline that we use is that it's the uh, podcast for CFOs by a CFO. And we just talk about uh, CFO-related issues, so things that CFOs deal with, just the conversation topics that are going on in the industry. So we have guests on that are somehow related to the topic. So, for example, on a previous episode, we just dropped one recently on recruiting. So I had a uh, recruiting a friend of mine on to talk about recruiting. Uh, she works for, uh, her name is uh, Shelby uh, Shofstall. She works for uh, Robert Half 
in the Charlotte area. And so she was talking about just recruiting and some of the challenges that go along with recruiting, especially in an era where at a time where face-to-face interviews are not happening as much. And so a lot of times you're interviewing people over the internet and things like that. And there's some of the challenges that go along with that. I had Brian Marks, who works in the health insurance industry and works in uh, employee benefits uh, in the uh, Richmond, Virginia area to talk about health insurance and what a CFO should know when they're trying to pick out health insurance plans for a company. Because I think uh, that especially if you're a CFO and you have, you're responsible for the benefits uh, for a lot of people that work in your company, I think that health insurance is a difficult area. And so we wanted to do a show on that. We have shows coming out here in the near future on accounting education and just kind of how that has changed over time. I'm going to be uh, talking to a professor at uh, Virginia Commonwealth University to talk about her experiences and how the accounting education process has changed. So I'm looking forward to those to uh, that episode as well. So yeah, so Accountable has been a lot of fun. And really that started just because we were trying to do some things. The South Carolina Association of CPAs has me as their business and industry consultants. And really what that means is, is that I am helping them to come out with content that is relevant for CFOs, for people that are working in industry. Because a lot of times with CPE offerings, it's either, it's either auditing or it's tax. And there's really not much in there for industry folks. But yet there's a ton of accountants that work as a controller or they work as a CFO or vice president of finance. Or, and so we wanted to do something that was a little bit more targeted. And so Accountable was one of those efforts to try to target some of those folks that are working in business and industry. That makes sense. Makes sense. Okay. Yeah, I forgot it was targeted to CFOs. I listened right. to it a little, little myself, but yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Well, yeah. I end every show with the same three questions. I'm looking at the time and we better get to those. There, there is one other thing I'd like to ask you and it's yeah. a little different than I anticipated in the beginning. You do a lot of teaching. You spend a lot of time with future practitioners, <laughs> you know, up and coming accountants. Your career has been very dynamic. What is one piece of critical advice or critical knowledge that you think people about to graduate, you know, juniors and seniors need to know about getting their career started? I think that for me, the biggest piece of advice that I can give somebody, especially coming straight out of school right now, is don't be sort of set on what you want to do and enjoy the ride a little bit more. I don't think that anyone that is uh, that is coming straight out of school, they may have an idea of what they like, but a lot of folks, they end up doing something that they didn't really discover until they have had one or two jobs underneath their belt. I think it takes a little while to figure out what you enjoy, and I think that it's okay if you don't hit a home run on the first shot. A lot of people, I think, uh, a lot of students that are coming straight out of school, they want to land their dream career right away. And I think for a lot of people, a lot of practitioners, a lot of successful practitioners will tell you that that just doesn't happen a lot. That's something that might happen in the movies. Mark, I don't know that I've ever met a practitioner that has sort of landed their dream career right away. Maybe you have. (laughs) I don't know. But I just think that a lot of times, I think we figure out what we like and what we don't like over time, and eventually we get there. And uh, part of 
I think for me, I put a lot of pressure on myself to sort of land that kind of the perfect role right away. And I, I think that it really maybe took away some of the joy and maybe some of the opportunities for learning maybe early on because I was just kind of kind of dead set on what I wanted to do. And I think for, for folks that are just getting started, enjoy the ride, enjoy the experience and give things a shot because I think you'll figure out what you want and you'll land that dream job over time. <laughs> That makes a lot of sense. Yeah, no, what I do for a living was not plan A. It wasn't plan B. I'm not sure which one it was. I'm not even sure it was in the deck, but I I thoroughly enjoy what I do now. So, yes, I have to totally agree. Totally agree. Well, I do end every show with the same three questions, so we better go ahead and get to those. The first one is usually the easier one. From a career perspective, what's been your proudest moment? There's been so many, but I think that probably my proudest moment was seeing Compare.com get through the first year of operations because that was really kind of kind of my first big shot where it was a company where I was in a key position and startups are tough. Most startups statistically fail. And so to see Compare.com get out of kind of that first year and the fact that we were experiencing growth and everything, to me, that's probably my proudest moment. Wonderful. You are a humble guy. I was expecting that to come out of some of your self-employment or (laughs) teaching. Yeah. Yeah. Reach back in the journey there. I like that. Well, second question, or really more of a request, Tell us about a lesson that you learned the hard way. And the more you can tell us about the whole situation, the better, because that's how we learn from these things. Right. Well, I think that probably, and this may kind of tie into some of the other things that we've been talking about, but I was not a good CFO when I started. I was not a good uh, CFO at Compare when I was hired into the position, and I started to build a team. There's a lot of pressure in startups. There's a lot of pressure to grow. There's a lot of pressure from investors and stakeholders, things like that. And when I was first managing my team, I was not a good CFO because I was focused just solely on getting things done. I was focused on numbers. I was focused on progress. And I was not paying enough attention to some of the idea that when you have a team and when you're in charge of that team, one of your jobs is to nurture that team, to help that team be better. If the team is better, you're doing your job better. I mean, that's the way that it works. And I was not paying attention to my team. I was rough on my team uh, because I was just sort of focused in on numbers and not helping them to develop and grow and be better themselves. And one of the better pieces of advice I, I think that I've ever gotten was from the president of Compare at the time, uh, Andrew Rose, who was a great mentor to me. He was also very patient with me. And I distinctly remember he pulled me aside one day and he said, he goes, have too much talent to manage in the way that you're doing. And what he meant was you have to know how to read your team and how to develop them and nurture them to provide the results that you can. And he was kind enough to impart that wisdom to me. And I remember on that day, I, I went home from work and I sat down and I was like, okay, what are some things that I can do to really help my team and really change the path on this? And I made two big changes. I said, okay, every time that somebody does something for me, I'm going to say thank you. 
every single time. And I'm going to tell them that I appreciate it and I'm going to meet it. It's not going to just be sort of something that you just sort of tack on to the end of an email. I'm going to tell them, thank you for doing it and that I appreciate their effort. So that was kind of my first thing. And then the second thing I was going to do is I was going to, instead of worrying so much about numbers and things like that, I was going to just spend time talking to each person on the team, trying to figure out what can I do to help them do their job better. And I'm going to let them talk and whatever they come up with, we're going to try it and I'm going to see if it works. And I made those two big changes kind of coming out of that. And it made a world of difference in our team. We were fortunate enough to win uh, best places to work. Uh, I believe it was two out of three years that I was at Compare, or I believe it was two out of three years. And so, I mean, it really changed the dynamic of my team. And I'm very thankful that I went through that. I mean, it was tough, you know, because I was was working really hard to kind of not see success out of that, Uh, you know, kind of at least initially was very difficult because I was not used to failing. I mean, I was used to, uh, if I worked hard enough, I could achieve it. And with that one, I, it wasn't that I wasn't working hard. It was the fact that I wasn't working in the right way. And I was fortunate enough to have a mentor that allowed me to take a step back and said, you're not doing this right. And you need to change. And he was right. And I was wrong. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and as soon as I kind of changed my approach, I mean, the, the world changed and things really started to open up. Wow. Yeah, that was very generous of your boss at the time to correct you in that manner. And that just shows how good he was at nurturing his team to Bingo. pass that on. You've got too much talent to manage in the way that you are. That stops you in your tracks. So wait a minute. <laughs> yep. Yep. Oh and, that, and that's what it was meant to do. But I'm very thankful to this day that I had the opportunity. I won the American College's uh, Next Gen Financial Advisors to Watch, and they asked me who my mentor was, and it's still Andrew Rose uh, because he told me that. So, yeah, that was a very defining moment for me. Wow. Well, I guess that'll wrap it up. You know, we've done well over 200 episodes now, and you're the first guest in that many that has combined the answers to the question number two and three at the end. You combine the best piece of advice you've ever received into <laughs> the lesson that you learned the hard way. So <laughs> just when I yeah. think there's nothing new on the show, here we go. <laughs> here we go. Here we go. Wow. Wow. <laughs> That really was a wonderful story. I appreciate you taking all the time to share this. We went long today, and I appreciate you being okay with that. If people want to find your podcast online or find more about you online, your consulting, what's the one place, what's the best place to find out more about you? Yeah, we have websites for the sort of the client side of the business, and that is uh, davidpetersfinancial.com. If you're interested in the professional education content that we're putting out, that is uh, petersprofessionaleducation.com. So you're welcome to visit both of those websites. You're also welcome to email me, though, if you'd like. So uh, you can get a hold of me at david at davidpetersfinancial.com. You're welcome to reach out to me. If there's something uh, that I can help you with or uh, some way that we can connect, I'm more than happy to do it. I talk to practitioners all the time. Be happy to talk to anybody who wants to talk to me. Wonderful. And for those listeners that are later on in their career, I do think your show it has a lot of value and it's called Accountable, just simply Accountable, Correct. right? Yep. Yep. That is correct. And 
yeah, I think we're doing some cool stuff. So, yeah, definitely. Definitely uh, for those of you that are out there, come check it out. Wonderful. Well, thank you again, David. I really appreciate you taking the time for this. Thanks so much, Mark. Well, that was my interview with David Peters in the Richmond, Virginia area. And I don't know about you, but I really enjoyed the early conversation about how he decided which path he was going to take with his career. I found that very intriguing. And secondly, the advice he shared at the end, the career advice, where he talks about don't be so set on a path that you have tunnel vision towards that one destination. because. I found that applied to my own career quite a bit because what I do for a living certainly wasn't plan A or even plan B, but I really enjoy what I do. And I think so many people's careers end up going in that fashion or going that route where you start down one path and along the way you find something that's related that you enjoy that much more. And you can still use your accounting education in that new endeavor and it still applies very much and still helps you very much, but it may not have been what plan A was earlier in life for you. I really appreciate that advice. And I think it applies to a lot of us, you know, enjoy the journey along the way and be open to course corrections along the way. Well, that wraps up this episode of Where Accountants Go, the Accounting Careers Podcast. I really appreciate you joining us. I know I said in the beginning, but if there's anything I can do for you in your own career, please don't hesitate to reach out to me. I'm very findable on LinkedIn. Just search for Mark Goldman CPA and I'll pop right up. Well, until next time, we'll see you all next week. After all, this is Where Accountants Go. Where Accountants Go.